Welcome back to another episode of Next Gen Athletics, a podcast all about college sports. In today's show, we look at how some of the games we picked from this past weekend went and also at some other scores from around college basketball. Then we take some time and break down the women's season's ending and what we can expect from conference championships starting next week. Then we finish with a look at baseball and softball and how their teams are doing so far this year. Now, ladies and gents, let's kick the tires and light the fires. This is Next Gen Athletics with your hosts, Trotter Scarce and Thomas Woods. Yes, sir. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the first Monday rendition of Next Gen Athletics with Thomas Woods joining us. Thomas, you're uh, you're remote. You're off campus. How you doing? I'm doing really good. It's been a good weekend, relaxing weekend at the lake and um, good basketball. So I can't complain. Absolutely. One of the best weekends for college basketball we've seen probably all year just across the board. Um, even outside the games we picked, we saw buzzer beaters from um, a, a half court shot from um, Arizona State. We saw Florida State come back from 25 down to win at the buzzer against the ranked Miami. Uh, I counted up nine ranked teams lost yesterday alone. Now, some of those were ranked versus ranked games, but I'd say a good few of them were unranked teams beating ranked teams. You know, we talked about um, the other day um, just about how different college basketball is this year, just how we don't have any, you know, certain wins in, in any of these top teams. And I think we saw that on full display yesterday. We definitely did. We saw that again today with another huge upset with Northwestern and Maryland. And it's just like at this point in the season, you know, we talked with with Matt the other day on Thursday. But it, I mean, I have no idea who to pick at this point in the season as my team. Me and you both said that Kansas is up there for us. And then they went and struggled on uh, yesterday, too. So it's it's tough right now for, for picking purposes. Yeah, I got to agree. You know, I think part of the reason Kansas struggled so bad was their uniforms were so terrible. Um, I'm notorious for calling out bad uniforms and the, the Kansas uniforms yesterday were awful. It looked like they were wearing jorts, uh, jean <laughs> shorts. So it was pretty bad. I got to be honest with you. Um, so we'll, we'll dive into the games that we picked. Number eight, Texas was on the road at number nine Baylor. Um, and Baylor came out with the win and Texas started out about as hot as you could get. And then all of a sudden, Keontae George gets hurts for Baylor, and you're thinking, man, this could get ugly. Like, Texas was up 18-4 to four at that point, I think, if I'm right. Um, and then all of a sudden, they couldn't score. And, and it looked like we were playing a high school team against a, a Division One program, and Baylor came roaring back, and the Bears just never looked back. They took advantage uh, late in the first half, uh, leading by two at the half, and they just stretched that lead out throughout the course of the second half. Yeah, it's kind of hard to win a game when you go eight minutes without scoring um, in a 40-minute basketball game. We talked about it a few weeks ago with just you got to have consistent scoring throughout the entire game. It can't just be spurts of scoring here and there, and then you just go on stretches where you can't score at all. And that was kind of what happened to Texas in this one. And, I mean, props to Baylor for for winning without their, their main guy. Uh, he only played six minutes. So, really, hats off to them. That's a really good win for them. 
Absolutely. And, you know, we challenged the Baylor Bears last week on the podcast saying that their forwards and their centers had to step up and play better. Well, they did exactly that. You had Bridges and Thamba go 17 and 12, respectively. So you finally had a day where I felt like Baylor kind of dominated the paint. They really kind of stepped up and played extremely well. And they got the win by nine points as as the result. And I, I think that this is a Baylor team now looking back on that stretch in Kansas, like we mentioned, that I think that that was just the fact that they were in Kansas. That's a really, really hard place to play out there in, in, in Lawrence and Manhattan. You're on the road for so many days in a row. I think this is a Baylor team that could potentially be maybe not a maybe a dark horse is, is kind of far fetched, but a dark horse in a lot of respects to win a national championship again. Yeah, they really are. And they have a easier end of the schedule with Oklahoma State next. And then they end with Iowa State, which is just a really cold team right now. So they, they have a good chance to get some momentum going into their tournament. And then, like we know, like once you're hot in March, there's it's really hard to stop a hot team in March. So um, Baylor's definitely in a good spot right now. Absolutely. I think a lot of the times when you're picking your bracket and you're going through kind of who you should pick for maybe an upset or who you should pick to go on a deep run that maybe they shouldn't go on a deep run. You know, who's hot at the right time is a big, big factor. You look at a team like North Carolina last year who kind of ended the year on this kind of hot streak and then they lost to Virginia Tech in the ACC tournament. And, you know, you a lot of people thought that maybe that was the end of it, but the difference is they ended up going all the way to a national championship and not letting that one loss in between a heat streak uh, ruin their season. And, and they played Kansas really, really close. So I think this Baylor team, while I don't think they're going to be nearly as low of a seed as UNC was last year, I think that this is a Baylor team that could potentially kind of see something similar. You know, they've got a really, really tough end of the year in that that Big 12 tournament. I mean, that is just a jam-packed, loaded tournament where we could see three or four teams from that tournament alone make an elite eight appearance. So, you know, I think that this Baylor team needs to finish the year strong. They need to win these next two games up this upcoming week and, and you know, get get a couple wins in, in the tournament, but maybe not necessarily feel like they have to go win it. Because if you look at a team like North Carolina from last year, getting hot at the right time, even despite maybe not playing so well in your conference tournament, can can still result in deep runs in March. For sure. And on the other side, Texas right now, um, I'm kind of worried about them. Obviously, they're a really good team and they've been winning games, but um, I'm looking at like their February schedule and their best, their biggest win is against West Virginia, who's kind of bottom of the, of the Big 12. And then after that game, they lost by seven to Texas Tech. They beat Oklahoma and OT by two. Then they they blew out Iowa State, who's like I said, one of the coldest teams in in college basketball right now. Then they've lost to Baylor, so right now they're not they're not playing their best basketball. And then they're going into a game where they have to play TCU and Kansas to end their schedule. Um, they have a chance to be on the opposite end, where they have no momentum on their side going into the conference tournament and, and the Big Dance. Yeah, absolutely. Texas is a team where you know you've got to go to a TCU team that's playing motivated basketball now that they've got Mike Miles Jr. back on the floor. Um, I watched a little bit of their game this past weekend, and he is just a man on a mission. I mean, he was hitting everything it felt like. Um, so that's going to be a really, really tough game. We're going to talk about that a little later on in our games of the week. But then that that season finale next Saturday against Kansas at home, I mean, you don't want to say that's a must win because you've got these two tough road games right beforehand against Baylor and TCU. 
but you feel like that's a that's a game you need to get. Like if you're a Texas Longhorn fan, you need to get one of these next two games. And I'd say that game against TCU might even be the most difficult of the two, just because it's on the road and a tough place to play in Fort Worth. So you know, this is a Texas team that is kind of on the edge of something here. And you know, I, I know that Matt and I said that we were pretty high on on the Longhorns and said that this could potentially be a national tournament champion, but. Maybe not, you know, on the flip side, we we talked about how good their offense is, but respectively, their defense is just as bad. Um, th- this is a Texas team that that does not look like a very motivated Texas uh, defensive team. And I think that that's probably got to do with the fact that Chris Beard isn't there at coach anymore. You know, you think of Chris Beard, you think of really, really tough defensive teams. And, and to lose that guy, honestly, at the very, very beginning of the year, when it's your most pivotal time to get development, get the fundamentals down, kind of establish your way of playing. Um, I, I think that that could be a result in why Texas has struggled on the defensive side of the ball so much. Definitely is. And I mean, I still think they're a really good team, but I, I really do think, you know, momentum's a big piece of how well a team performs in March and a hot team's really hard to beat. And then we see a lot of really good teams lose early just because they're not playing their best basketball. So Texas is a team that I'm worried about, but, um, they, they still have a chance to, you know, turn the ship in the right way before the conference tournament, before the uh, big dance. And I think they, they definitely have a chance to be on the right foot going into postseason play. Yeah, you know, we're sitting here talking about they could lose these next two games or they could win these next two games and be the hottest team in the country. So this is just kind of the 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 woes and flows of Big 12 basketball this year. It's it's just constantly um, just pounding the rock and and having to play really, really good teams day in and day out. And like Matt and and, uh, we both agreed to was, I think that that's going to be very beneficial for them. However, I do wonder if the momentum bug is going to bite them. And, you know, if you're a team that's lacking confidence, lacking momentum going into the national tournament, that's a way you become a first round, second round out. So they need to be careful. They need to get one of these next two games to finish the year. Exactly. Moving into our next game, Indiana went on the road at Purdue and got the victory over the number five Boilermakers, 79-71. to We mentioned when we were talking about this game, I made this great point that it was going to be a sprint to 70 and that I felt that since Purdue was at home, I felt more confident in, in picking them. However, Indiana must have heard that and said, okay, that's a good point. Let's do that. And they they were that team that got to 71st, and, and ultimately they were the team that won the ballgame. Yeah, and this is kind of what I saw coming just because of Purdue's slow production at times. You know, they, they went into the half up for 38-34, and they don't get to 42 points until, you know, about six or so minutes into the second half. So it took them a long time to get going out of the halftime break. And Indiana took advantage of that and never looked back. Indiana um, has been more consistent at, at scoring the basketball recently. And, and so Purdue, I'm, I'm still worried about them, man. They've got to find some consistency in their ability to score the ball. And, and right now they just don't have that. Absolutely. And if you kind of look at how – the, the scoring kind of breaks down. You look at Indiana starters, I mean, just absolutely unbelievable. Their starters scored 77 points, only had two points off the bench. You look at a guy like Jalen Hood-Schnefno, who had 35 points in the game on 14 of 24th shooting. I mean, just dominating the inside area. 
just really going to work and making sure that his presence was felt all over the floor. You know, this is a guy that we've kind of highlighted in, in the previous game and said, if, you know, Jackson Davis can get some help from this guy, we feel like they could be a really dangerous team. And I still feel that way. However, I just feel like this is an Indiana team that's so inconsistent that that was part of the reason why I was kind of anxious about picking them. And that's why I ended up going with Purdue in this one. But, you know, they they continue to prove that they can win the big game in the big moment. And, you know, this is a, uh, excuse me, an Indiana team that going into the Big Ten tournament, you're, you're looking to win now. Like this wasn't, you know, I think before this game, you're going into Purdue and saying, listen, let's just try and play well. Let's get a little momentum to finish the year strong. After this win, you're looking to finish the year on, on, on a hot streak going into the Big Ten tournament and, and potentially getting a win. You know, they, they finished the year at home against Iowa before finishing the year again at home against Michigan, two games that I think they'll feel pretty confident in getting a win, uh, especially being at home. And, and like Matt said, it seems like every time the home team plays in, in the Big Ten, they're getting the win with, you know, I, I think just an exception in this game. So this is a another hot team in Indiana that I, I think a lot of teams need to game plan for because they've got a really good guard in Hood Schnefno, and they've got a really good forward in Trey, uh, Jackson Davis. Yeah, and, and this is kind of interesting to look at. Um, they're actually in a four-way tie for second place in, in the Big Ten. So uh, we're talking about how hot they are and how they have a good chance of winning this conference. But they're tied with Maryland, Northwestern, and Michigan for that that two seed. And and right now, I guess because of tiebreakers, they're technically the four seed. So they need to win these last two and get a good seed going into this tournament. And that game against Michigan is probably the biggest one for that. Um, and I was right there on, on their tail, too. So – these are two big games for them. Um, they they definitely should feel a little bit of confidence just because they're playing at home, like you said. But um, this is a game, or these are two games really that can go either way. And they kind of need to lock in um, and and ride this this big win. Um, don't get content with that win and, and keep pushing and keep trying to make this um, this this push towards the end of the season. This is a good team. I, I really am confident. In Indiana, they have the right pieces. Um, it's really just about getting hot at the right time, like we said about some of these other teams already. So Indiana's in a good spot. They just need to win these last two games, and, and I'll feel really confident about this team. Agreed. And if you look on the flip side at Purdue, they're on the road at Wisconsin before finishing at home against Illinois. I know they'll feel pretty confident getting past both those teams, but like we've mentioned, Purdue has really struggled on the road this year, and so, or maybe not this year, but especially in the last month. So this is a Purdue team that you need to go in and, and prove something against this Wisconsin team on Thursday night, because if you don't, if you lose that game, I think they would have lost four of their last five at that point going into the end of the year. That's not a position you want to be in because Purdue still holds that top spot in the Big Ten. But if you lose a game here and, you know, let's say Indiana wins out, well, Indiana's going to have the tiebreaker over you. So, you know, this is going to be a, a really interesting end of the year for Purdue this is a team that we mentioned was really, really good and really, really strong coming out of January, a team that we both felt pretty confident could be a, a real national championship contender. But here we are sitting at the end of February and we're going, listen, this team might be a sweet 16 out because I just don't feel confident in picking them when they're not at home and they're not kind of playing teams that suit their brand of basketball. Um, either way, it's going to be a really, really exciting end of the year in a conference that I feel like has just been a letdown all over the place all year long. Getting into our last game, we move out west. St. Mary's was on the road at number 12, Gonzaga, and falls to the Bulldogs 77-68. to 
this was another game that even though we we said that we both weren't confident in picking Gonzaga long term, you mentioned that how it was for Clemson and their seniors to to lose to South Carolina on that on that pivotal day in November. And I mentioned that I just felt confident enough in Gonzaga being the home team to get the win. And ultimately that's what happened. And if you look at, at the top of the West coast standings, now Gonzaga does hold that top spot at being 25 and five instead of 25 and six, like St. Mary's is. So, you know, St. Mary's kind of the the punishment of, of having that extra game in there to potentially uh, a more dangerous team. Yeah. And it's actually really funny. Um, my prediction for this game was that they're going to be too focused on that that point differential. They needed to win by nine to get that point differential, and they won by nine. So <laughs> maybe they were focused on it, but maybe it worked out for them because they do have that tiebreaker now. Um, and and you know Gonzaga really played well in this one. Um, they did. It was a good game for them. They took care of business against a team that um, has been trying to fight for that top spot all year. Uh, they really proved that they're the top dogs, no pun intended, in this conference. Um, but St. Mary's, I think, in this one kind of can look back and say there's some missed opportunities. They got it down to a two-point game uh, um, early in the first half, and they kind of just went cold. Um, and Gonzaga is a team that's too talented, too experienced, too much veteran leadership to um, not take advantage of a situation like that. Um, I feel like if a team has any – mishaps in a game against Gonzaga. Gonzaga is still good enough to take advantage of those and, and propel themselves to a win. That's what they did here, I feel like. Yeah, and I feel like kind of the points I made for Gonzaga in the first game when I, I picked them, I said that I felt like if this was a Gonzaga team that could get out to a lead, I felt like they would be able to hang on. And that's what we saw in this one. And, you know, kind of surprisingly, that's not what we saw in the flip flip game against this St. Mary's team. So, you know, this is still a Gonzaga team that I'm not necessarily super high on. Uh, St. Mary's actually outscored Gonzaga 42 to 38 in the second half. Um, You know, I just I think that Gonzaga is going to be. You know, their kryptonite has always been playing an easy schedule. Their, Their kryptonite has always been that they're not challenged late in the year against good teams who are in form. I think that this is a Gonzaga team that is going to be relish or excuse me relishing the fact that they could play St. Mary's again and get another resume booster going into the tournament but still not sold on Gonzaga as a team that I would pick to be a title contender going forward. I'm in the same boat, but this is definitely a, a great win for them. They're not used to being able to play these high intensity ranked matchups late in the year and so instead of having to, you know, it's March and, and they're in a close game instead of looking back and saying, "Well, we played in a game like this in, in November," they can say Hey, we were just in a, in a tough game, you know, just a few weeks ago. We, we know how to be a, a winner in the situation. We know how to come out with a win. And, and they did that. They, they definitely played better than St. Mary's, I feel like, in this game. And um, hats off to them. That's a great win coming down the stretch here. Absolutely. It's going to be a very interesting end for, for those two teams. We talked about a little bit a moment ago off the air that – both of these teams are pretty much an automatic bid to get into the the final for the West Coast Conference as the top two teams get an automatic bid into the semifinals. Um, you know, we had mentioned that that seems kind of crappy for the teams that have to play in that tournament, but it's smart. It's really smart from a conference perspective because you want to put your best teams in the tournament to put your best foot forward and have a potential of, you know, a, a Cinderella run or, or set Gonzaga up for that deep run like they always seem to have. Um, so, 
you know, this was the last uh, regular season game for these two teams. And honestly, they get a week off to prepare for for what anybody could potentially be throwing at them and and probably what's going to be a a third game between these two heavyweights in the West Coast Conference. Yeah, I think that one's probably the most telling one because so far it's been the home team winning each one. And and I think a neutral site game is is better um, at showing which team is really good and and a good team to pick going forward into the tournament. Absolutely. But if we bounce around some other scores from around the day, we had mentioned that Florida State came back and beat number 13 Miami. But a stat that stands out to me that that Matt had kind of pointed out on on our last podcast was North Carolina going and beating Virginia 71 to 63 at home. This is a Virginia team that is fresh off that loss against Boston College on the road by 15 a Virginia team that we're going to talk about their next game against Clemson on Tuesday. They're slipping and sliding at the wrong time. And you and I had mentioned off the air last podcast that we weren't sold on Virginia. We didn't feel like there was a steady source of offense and that that defense against a good offensive team just wasn't as productive as we've seen from a Tony Bennett side in years past. You know, we won't really spoil too much of, of what we're going to get into next, but Thomas this is a Virginia team that's sliding at the wrong time. And why are they going so south so fast? I really can't put my finger on it exactly. I do think it's it's too much focused on the defense. That's what they've been about for a long time now, but they're not getting enough offense. You focus too much on defense, and you leave yourself vulnerable to just um, getting in a race where you get outscored the entire game. And I've kind of seen this this little slide coming for a while, since the Duke game, really, where Duke should have gotten the best of them, I feel like, in that game looking back. And then, you know, they had a close one against Louisville. They barely beat Notre Dame. Then they lose to Boston College, and then UNC is a really good team um, despite their their struggles on the year. They're still a really good team, really talented team. And so Virginia is just not playing their best basketball, and they're, they're just struggling to score the ball. Um, you know, the saying goes that defense wins championships, but sometimes defense doesn't win you games. You know, you have to be able to put the ball in the basket, and Virginia is not doing that right now. Yeah, it was always preached to us when we were younger that defense wins championships, but offense wins games. And sometimes those games come in mid-February when you're playing a team like Louisville that isn't necessarily very good, but you're still at Louisville. That's still a tough place to play out there. And if you look at kind of how their their season's going, they've struggled to score, like we mentioned. And I went back and I looked here just a second ago. It's been eight games since the Virginia Cavaliers have scored 70 or more points um that's a troubling stat if you're a Virginia fan you know they got 69 against Duke in overtime I mean that that's just that's not what you want to see from a team that's ranked six in the country they won't be ranked six in the country after this week um I would imagine they'll probably fall to possibly even the late teens just because of the two losses and the fact that they were pretty poor losses at that this is a Virginia team that that like we said, could be an upset alert going into the tournament unless, you know, they go out and have a really, really good performance in the ACC tournament. For sure. And, I mean, we'll get into the game a little bit later, but this bodes very well for for the Clemson Tigers going into this game. So Virginia really needs to be careful. Um, the defense is is playing well. They're, they're limiting their team or the, the opponents to, from scoring, but you got to be able to get the ball in the basket a little bit more than what they're doing right now. 
Yeah, and we mentioned a moment ago about the Big Ten and kind of how that's been a disappointing year. You could say the same for the ACC, but yet when you look at these schedules, when you look at the rankings, you've got Pittsburgh, Miami, who have 14 wins. You've got UVA and Clemson with 13, Duke, North Carolina State with 12. I mean, this is a good conference that I feel like it's almost the same way in football that you know, I feel like with the exception of Clemson in football, this is a pretty even conference from top to bottom. And they just kind of beat up on each other. And I wonder, you know, a team like Pittsburgh, who is 14 and four, went on the road to Virginia Tech not too long ago, a couple weekends ago and lost to a Virginia Tech team that's six and 12 in conference. So I think that that just kind of goes to prove that this is a conference that that is very very even from top to bottom, and, and I think that these are going to be teams that could potentially be sneaky picks in the tournament, just because I think they're very good basketball teams. I, I thought that what Matt said um, on our in our interview was very interesting when he said that he thinks that the ACC isn't getting worse; everybody's just getting better, and, and so I think that that's going to be an interesting thing to see come tournament time for the ACC, kind of what teams stand up and, and present themselves as, as the number one team in the ACC. And, and when, you know, it's tournament time in March and, and we're playing on neutral sites, I wonder how well these ACC teams are going to prepare themselves and, and how they're going to perform um, against teams that they're not facing day in and day out. You know, I, I've been very, very impressed with Miami, especially this year. Um, I, I think they're a very complete team, but even them, you know, we saw them blow a 25-point lead to Florida State. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how the ACC finishes its year. For sure. And I like what you're saying there. People um, have talked really badly about the ACC all year. It seems like saying that it's a down year for the, the conference as a whole. And I haven't really heard that same talk for the Big Ten as much. The Big Ten's kind of being carried by the top teams. And yet, ACC Big Ten Challenge, the ACC won. So the ACC is definitely having um, a down year because those top dogs aren't the top dogs, you know, if, if it was the same standings as we have right now, but you throw Duke and UNC at the top, people aren't saying anything about the conference being down. It's, it'd be the opposite, I think. But because the two top teams aren't having their, their best years, um, I feel like the, the narrative surrounding the ACC is kind of a little bit skewed. Um, there's a lot of really good teams, um, so many teams over 20-plus wins. And I think that's just – I think it's a testament to how deep this conference is really. Absolutely. And and on the topic of, of Big Ten versus the ACC, I think that those can kind of get skewed just because when you think of the Big Ten, you think of Ohio State and Michigan and both of those teams getting into the playoffs. But honestly, like, I feel like football kind of dominates that conversation. But when you look at it from top to bottom, you had an ACC team in the Women's Soccer Championship, right? You had an ACC team win the Women's Field Hockey National Tournament. You had an ACC team beat a Big Ten team and Syracuse beating Indiana in the Men's National Championship in soccer. You know, we're kind of getting to more national championships as track and field and some of these other Olympic sports are coming to an end that ACC teams are probably going to perform well. I think a lot of people crap on the ACC because – you know, sometimes their football isn't as good as other conferences or or sometimes their basketball isn't as good. But if you look at all sports from top to bottom, I, I would say the ACC is probably the premier conference in America. Maybe it does just mean more to the ACC. And I know that was a shot at the SEC and I go to an SEC school, but I, I've always been kind of an advocate for the ACC because I feel like some of the hate they just get is unwarranted. Yeah, I mean... I can't disagree with you. I, I love that take as a lifelong Clemson fan that's 
had to deal with these ACC haters for way too long now. Um, ACC has been a good conference all around for a long time. And I feel like the narrative, um, because recently Clemson's dominated it, is just that it's not that good of a conference. Um, just in football, really, they say that it's not a good conference. And so then it, it carries over to other sports. But top to bottom, every sport, the ACC definitely is up there for one of the premier conferences in, in college sports. Absolutely. And when you think about ACC football, I think a lot of people just have recency bias towards the SEC. But when you think about the ACC, I mean, you've got teams like Miami, Virginia Tech, Clemson, Florida State, who are historically just really, really good programs. I mean, I know I'm a Hokie fan, so I'm going to sound a little biased here. But need I not remind everybody that up until two years ago, Virginia Tech had the longest active bowl streak in America. It wasn't some SEC school. It wasn't some Big Ten school. It was a Virginia Tech school in the ACC who, sure, maybe a lot of those years they went 6-6. Six and six. It was still better than Alabama for years and years and years until the Virginia Tech program just kind of collapsed on itself and they're in a, in a big rebuild. So um, I know we kind of just went on, on a random tangent there, but, you know, the ACC hate's got to stop. It's coming from, coming from just a, a place of, of nothing, and it means um, – you know, nothing to these schools. And, and I don't think the ACC is in any danger of being coming um, irrelevant anytime soon. Yeah, I definitely agree. <laughs> We're going to jump into our game. We've been talking about it a little bit. Clemson is going to travel to Virginia. Uh, Virginia's ranked number six in the country right now, as you and I are recording this on Sunday night. Uh, they won't be ranked uh, six in the country. If I had to guess, they'd probably be between uh, 13 and 17, somewhere in that range. This is a, a Clemson team, though, that was was skidding, had that ugly loss to Louisville. You and I were just talking about it. And, and, you know, then they respond with a pretty dominating win against NC State. So, Thomas, you're a Clemson guy. You have next-gen Tigers. You cover the Tigers every single day. You live there. I don't know how, but you do. And, and so, you know, what can we expect from Clemson in this game? I, I wish I knew. Um, <laughs> this This team plays – completely differently every game it seems like this entire month um really i feel like this team is um kind of hot right now following the nc state win that they're playing fired up I, I watched that entire game and the the emotion they were showing the confidence they were showing that, that game was a little bit a little bit uh, antsy man there were people face to face jawing at each other uh, some technicals given out it was a game where the, the tigers really played like they were fueled, and I expect and I hope that that same team comes out on Tuesday and shows up in Virginia the way they were playing against NC State. Uh, this is a Clemson team that has the ability to win games um, and beat good teams, but it also is the Clemson team that's able to lose to games, teams like Louisville, Louisville, Chicago, and South Carolina. So this Clemson team, really, we don't know who's going to show up. Hopefully it's that same team that's played the last two games against Syracuse and NC State. Clemson all year to me has just been so confusing because I feel like every time I watch Clemson play, I'm so underwhelmed. I look at this team as just kind of, eh, like they're okay, I guess. They're, they're winning games. They're getting by. I can't knock them for it. But, you know, they, they came to Columbia earlier this year, and, you know, I, I definitely was not impressed by South Carolina either. I'm not trying to say it. But I thought Clemson was going to suck. I got to be real honest. This It was a Clemson team that offensively looked like they had no idea what they were doing. And, and you know, I know they had Hunter Tyson, who's kind of gotten hot in that game. He really, really struggled. He had one air ball about halfway through the second half, and I don't think he scored again. 
Um, I just kind of thought that this was a Clemson team that would kind of creep through the schedule like we're used to seeing. Brad Brunell would be on his way out by, by mid-season or so, and and we'd be having a completely different conversation right now. However, Clemson turned it around there, and, and, and while they still would have games that they would lose for no reason or they would play poorly like they did to Virginia Tech at home, I mean, golly, that was a really tough basketball game to watch. Both sides were just ugly playing offense. However, once again, they're winning games. They're sitting here at 21 and 8 overall, 13 and 5 in conference, tied for that that third place spot with Virginia, actually, with uh, almost identical records across the board. Clemson being punished for just two more games that they probably lost to, to Loyola, Chicago, and South Carolina that Virginia didn't play. So, you know, it, it's a it's a tough game to pick because you've got one team in Clemson that you have no idea what you're going to get. You could get the best team in the country. You could get the worst team in the country. I have no idea what they're going to show up with. Then you got a team in Virginia who doesn't remember how to play offense anymore. They just know how to play basketball on the defensive side. And, and they're losing games to teams they shouldn't like BC on the road um, in, in ugly kind of almost dominating blowout fashion. It's a tough game to pick. It really, really, really is. It's on Tuesday night at 7 p.m. on the ACC network. You know, we we mentioned both teams have a pretty relatively easy game after this. You know, Clemson hosts Notre Dame and, and Virginia hosts Louisville. But Virginia struggled against Notre Dame and Louisville just the other day, and we had already mentioned that Louisville beat Clemson, so maybe not. But I just I don't know what to expect going into this one. It, it makes it really, really tough to pick. Uh, it definitely is a hard game to pick with no bias involved. And um, Clemson, uh, you know, th- their biggest game of the year, it felt like, was this NC State game. Um, it, just yesterday, it seemed like it was a game that it really mattered for the standings. Clemson was four in the ACC, and, and NC State was five. And um, for those of you that don't know, the ACC, it's really important to have a top four seed in the conference tournament. Uh, you get two, you get two round by, and, and you need to win two games to win the whole thing. So it's it's really important to be a, a top four seed. And so that game was really important. And I was looking at it as a Clemson fan saying, well, maybe we can just sneak in as that four seed and get a two-round bye, and it'll be great. And, and then now with, with Miami losing and with Virginia losing another game, Clemson and UVA both have a chance to still win the regular season title in the ACC. Pitt and Miami have to play each other. If one of them drops another game, anything can happen right now in the top four with the ACC. So this is a game that really matters. I thought the game yesterday was the most important for Clemson's schedule so far. This game on Tuesday is now the most important for Clemson. And honestly, it is for UVA as well. So um, I I feel like I'm, I'm picking Clemson. That's going to be obviously first off, I have to pick Clemson. Um, and I, I'm confident that Clemson can win. I told my friends that before we beat NC state, before Virginia beat or before Virginia lost to UNC, I said, Clemson has a chance to, to win out and still win the ACC regular season title. Um, but Virginia is going to be very animated. This is a Virginia team that needs to prove something. They're supposed to be a top team in the country. They're supposed to be a real contender, and they're kind of losing that that respect and and that, and for good reason. So um, Virginia is going to come out very fired up, I believe. But I think Clemson will also. This is a game that I think it's, should be a really good one to watch. Um, battle of two different brands right now. Clemson scored. 90-plus in the last two games and 90-plus in three out of the last four. Virginia can't score more than 60, it seems like. So um, this game could be one where I think it looks like a high school game and it's 55 to to 50, or it's a game where um, Clemson just – the offense is playing like it was against NC State and they end up scoring somewhere around 80 points, which would be insane to do at Virginia. But I I wouldn't put it past Clemson right now. Um, 
I don't know. I, I think if I had to pick, I'm going to pick Clemson to win in a game that's not necessarily crazy low scoring, but I don't think Clemson puts up some crazy amount of points. I think it'd probably be something around um, 66 to 62 if I had to throw a number out there. He's, he's picking the score line too. He's, he's being bold today, folks. <laughs> Listen, this game for me, as a South Carolina student and fan and a Virginia Tech, just absolute diehard growing up, this is the absolute worst possible game I could have picked. I, I, I realize that now after I picked it. Um, so I'm going to be rooting for the referees in this one. Um, however, <laughs> now I'm going to make a th- pick. I went back and, and I'm looking at the Clemson stats from that NC State game. The stat that jumps off the board, first and foremost, Clemson shot 52% from three. Anytime you shoot 52% from three, you're going to win the ball game. And that happened. Obviously, you had two starters in PJ Hall and Brevin Galloway have over 20 points. You had another guy in Chase Hunter get 15. Hunter Tyson also had 12. You know, all around just a really, really impressive night from the Tigers shooting the basketball. I just I don't feel confident in Clemson continuing that streak. I really don't. I think Virginia is a better defensive team than they've shown in the last couple of games. You know, we mentioned that, you know, it's late in the year and teams are getting tired. And a lot of times when when your legs get tired, the first thing that goes is scoring. Okay, well, Virginia's done that now. The second thing that goes is your defense, right? You start to get lazy, you start to get sloppy. Now, I think we're starting to see that from a Virginia team who isn't necessarily the deepest team in the country. They rely on a lot of depth from, from their starters. And, and so, you know, gosh, it really is a tough pick because on, on one hand, Everything in me is a Virginia Tech fan is saying don't pick Virginia, and everything in me as a South Carolina student and fan is saying don't pick Clemson. However, I'm going to listen to the South Carolina in me more. Uh, I am wearing a South Carolina shirt, and, and so I, I think I'm going to go with Virginia, and, and I'm sorry, Hokie fans. I know I am really shouldn't do this, but I, I think Virginia is the better team, and, and I think that being at home, you know, it's such a tough place to play there in Charlottesville that those fans only show up for basketball games. They don't show up for anything else. So, so when they can get out to John Paul Jones arena, they're normally pretty crazy. They're pretty fired up. Tickets are pretty cheap as low as 17 bucks. I would expect it to be pretty much sold out. If not all the way sold out come, come Tuesday afternoon. I think this is a Virginia team that's just going to limit Clemson scoring enough. It's a tough way to go all the way up there to Charlottesville I just think that this is a Virginia team that's going to do enough to get by. I'm I'm not saying it's going to be impressive. I'm leaning more towards what you said in the high school game, being in the 50s. Um, I like what you said about not getting to 70. I definitely don't see this game getting above 70. Um, however, I also see Virginia just being too much defensive-wise for, for Clemson to score the basketball like they have in the past couple games. And I think that's enough for the Cavaliers to get by with a W in this one. That's probably the safe pick. Virginia definitely is uh, historically a better team for most of this year has been the better team. Um, but yeah, this is a game that I think if you're a unbiased college basketball fan, it's still a really good one to watch. This game should be really close down to the wire. Um, but like I said, I, my, my blood runs orange and it's not the Virginia orange. So um, I'm going, I'm going with the Tigers in this one. And um, I feel pretty confident saying it. That's fair enough. I, I'm not going to knock you for it because I'm sitting here arguing with my Virginia Tech and South Carolina fan in me. So, listen, either way, I think it's going to be a really good game. I definitely think that this is a game Tuesday night that's probably going to not get the press it should. You know, Clemson's kind of been an underrated team all year. I definitely would have put Clemson in that underrated category that we talked about on Thursday. And I think that the Tigers have a chip on their shoulder, right? They feel disrespected. While I think that some of that disrespect is warranted, 
because they do just lose the teams that they just shouldn't lose to. I, I still think they're a better team than a lot of people give them credit for. I think Virginia, though, is just a better team all around. I think that their defense is just going to be too much for the Tigers to get past them. So, But either way, that game is on Tuesday night at 7 p.m. on the ACC Network. I know I'm going to be tuning in at all costs to watch that one. I know you, Thomas, are obviously going to be tuning in and covering that one through Next Gen Tigers. Um, so fans out there, if you guys are listening and you know that you're going to be busy on Tuesday night, I know Thomas is going to do a great job of covering that throughout the the game, kind of giving game updates for for that game on Next Gen Tigers. So you guys should definitely uh, give them a follow, um, even if you're not necessarily a Clemson fan, uh, just because they're going to give you a lot of updates and you're definitely going to want to follow this one closely on Tuesday night. For sure. Thanks for the shout out, man. Absolutely. Getting into our next game, we're going to go Big East Conference. Xavier is going to be on the road at Providence. And this game is a rematch of that game earlier that Xavier escaped from. This is a good Providence basketball team. I had the chance to watch them play a little bit today uh, before before race coverage started. And this was a Providence team that hammered Georgetown on the road. And, and you know, we say that Georgetown's an easy buy. It, it really is. And, and I'm not sitting here trying to make a case for Georgetown whatsoever. However, beating a team by 20 on the road is difficult, especially in late February. So when a team like Providence can go in and, and do something like that before hosting the number 16 team in the country in Xavier, I think that gives you a lot of momentum. With that being said, I think Xavier is a sneaky good team. I think being ranked at, at 16th overall is a little harsh, honestly. If you kind of look at some of the wins they have, I, I think that especially those wins over UConn right now are looking really, really impressive again. This is a Xavier basketball team that has has proven to be a problem for a lot of teams going down the stretch here. So I'm I'm really looking forward to this one on Wednesday night. Yeah, this is a this is a good one. It's a big one for for the Big East standings um, coming down the stretch here. Looking at the tournament, uh, these we got Xavier at number two in the conference and Providence at number three in the conference. So uh, this one could really decide who gets that number two and number three seed. And like we've talked about in the WCC, the ACC. It's always important to have that high seed going to the conference tournament. Always a big benefit, uh, way more so than than in the um, big dance. So um, both these teams are going to want to win this one. Um, they're tied right now for that that number two spot, actually. So um, both teams are going to be very motivated to win this game. Yeah, and if you look at their remaining games, you know, I, I would definitely make the argument that Xavier has the easier last game of the year hosting Butler, whereas Providence has to host a good seat in the Hall team that had – historically has been really strong however you look at Marquette that number one team uh, they are on the road at Butler before hosting St. John's two teams that I think they'll be uh, pretty confident they can get past pretty comfortable wins to be honest with you so if you're Xavier in Providence you, you really look at this game as that 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 championship for the second spot because you feel pretty confident you can both get by I know, I know I said that that Seton Hall game for Providence would probably be more difficult than the Butler game for Xavier However, I still think the Friars will get past Seton Hall. So the winner of this game is going to put themselves in, in that, that solid second-place spot just because they are tied straight across the board at 13-5 and five in conference and 28, or excuse me, 21-8 and eight overall. So this game has a lot on the line, and Providence is going to be very, very glad that this game is in Rhode Island. Definitely. This is a Providence team that hasn't lost a whole home game all year so um that matters man there's not very many teams that can say that at this point in the season and, and they're one of them so 
Xavier has been a decent team away so far this year. They've been a good team all around this year. And Providence um, defends their home court very well. So Xavier are definitely going to be fired up to try to break that record um, that, that Providence has at home right now. And um, Providence, on the other end, you don't want to blow that perfect season at home this late in the year. So this is a game that has a lot of implications on a lot of different fronts. And I, I definitely see both teams being very motivated going into this one. Um and personally, I'll go ahead and make my pick. I'm confident in Providence in this one. I think Providence is a really good team. Like I said, they defend home court very well. Um, and hopefully, for, for their sake, you don't pick them too. I don't want the next gen curse to strike them at this point in the season. But um, Providence, man, they defend their home court extremely well. Uh, they just they bounced back from that UConn loss very well, beating Georgetown. So um, both these teams, like I said, would be very motivated, but I like Providence in this one. You know, I have to do it. Much to the chagrin of you and Providence fans all over this world, I, I got to agree. I, I think Providence is the better team. And, and I think that if you look at the results from the last couple games, um, you look at kind of how exactly Xavier has lost these last three of the five games they've played all by two points, one point. It, it's really, really close. But something two of the three games have in common is they're on the road. I think Xavier down the stretch, even though they just beat Seton Hall on the road, has kind of struggled, especially against good teams like Marquette, um, who is that that number 10 team in the country. And they'll even move up even higher, uh, considering they've won some more games this past weekend and teams in front of them have lost. I think that Providence is just they're getting hot at the right time. I know they lost at, at UConn. But this is a UConn team that earlier in the uh, earlier in the year was number two in the country. They're they're a really strong basketball team. I think that they're finally getting hot again. That's a UConn team that we could talk about as a potential dark horse to make a deep run in the tournament. Um, I just think from top to bottom, that's a really strong Husky squad. However, I do agree with you. I, I think Providence is is going to relish the fact that this is a home game. They're going to be very very thankful that that they're going to have their home fans behind them. It's not necessarily a long way to go from Cincinnati to Rhode Island. However, it is, you know, it's still a road game. It's still late February. These guys are still tired. They're probably annoyed with away fans going at them about any little thing they do wrong. Like your shoe comes untied and they're taunting you about it. I mean, I, I've i got to imagine it gets pretty annoying pretty soon. Um, you know, this is a this is going to be probably a barn burn. These two teams are kind of historically just kind of deep run teams in the tournament. And normally when these two teams play, that game is either being won on a buzzer beater, it's being sent to overtime on a buzzer beater, or, or it's a last chance shot that that rims out or rims in um, to send that game to overtime or not. So this is this is going to be a very, very interesting game. However, much to the chagrin of Providence fans all over this gorgeous world we live in, I'm rolling with the Friars. The next-gen curse might get me. It might not. I hope it doesn't because I, I do think that Providence is just – the right pick in this one. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. That's why I picked them as well. And, and I guess we'll really see. They haven't lost a home game all year. If they lose this one, it's got to be the next-gen curse. There's there's no other explanation. It can't be because they played poorly. It's because of us. That, that's what it's boiled down to at this point. Yeah, there's no other explanation to it. They, I don't care what happens in the game. If it happens, it's because of us. So uh, Providence, I, I promise this, all right, if it if it happens again, we will put a clause in there that we won't pick Providence together anymore. Just just <laughs> as kind of um, money on the line for it, Providence fans. If we do end up spoiling your perfect season at home, we will make sure we don't do it again, I promise. Um, <laughs> we're going to move away from, 
from the Big East. We're actually going to cover three separate conferences. That's probably uh, that's probably a first for the for two episodes in a row. We've done that. Um, Texas, this is a Texas team that that's kind of struggled of late. They're going to be on the road at TCU. We talked about this game a little bit. It's Wednesday night at 9 p.m. on ESPN2. This is a TCU team that's playing motivated. They they lost some games they really shouldn't have lost there for a little bit. But they've rebounded now that they've got Mike Miles Jr. back, and, and they are scoring in bunches now. This is a team that is motivated to prove to the rest of the country that they're not just a pushover and, and that they really are a good basketball team who's looking to do more than just get to the tournament. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm really glad for for the Horn Frog fans that Mike Miles Jr. is back. Um, at this point in the, at the, in the year, they're in the bottom half uh, of the conference. They're still ranked. They're still a good team, but they're currently in the bottom half of the conference. And so they they got really unlucky this year. Um, having injuries to your star player is never going to be good for you. And, and he was out for a long time. We covered it a lot with him losing. Uh, them losing without him being on the team. And it's it's great that he's back now. Um, no better time. Like I said, I think I said it multiple times on the podcast. No better time than now for him to come back. And finally, he is back. He's balling. So this is a game where Texas needs to be careful. We mentioned it earlier. Texas is in a scary spot right now. Um, and TCU really, I feel like, has nothing to lose at this point. They've already lost so many games this year. Um they can put it all, all out on the line at this point in the season, and they have nothing to lose, everything to gain. So TCU, definitely going to be a very motivated team in this game. I agree. And this is a TCU team where you're in that kind of middle spot now in your conference to where you can afford to just kind of throw the kitchen sink at this game and go try and win without really too much going wrong if you lose, right? If you lose the game, it's like, okay, well, we lost a really good Texas team who's up there fighting for that top spot. We did all that we could. We, you know, we we really played well. We we pushed, we pressured well, we defended well. Um so, you know, I think that this is going to be a TCU team that that has just nothing to lose. And the saying from from Rocky in the Creed movie, a fighter who ain't got nothing to lose is dangerous. Well, however, I, I think that this TCU team is going to embody this on Wednesday night. Honestly, I'm going to go ahead and make my pick. I'm rolling with the Horn Frogs. I think that this is just going to be a TCU team that looks at this Texas defense and salivates over it. I think Mike Miles Jr. is going to have a day. I'm confident in my pick in TCU in this one. I think that this is a TCU team that's got something to prove. They've got a chip on their shoulder, and I feel confident that they're going to continue their win streak over Texas on Wednesday night. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Not so fast, my friend. Um, <laughs> I gotta go, I, I gotta slow you down a little bit, man. Um, this is a TCU team that I am very confident in. Um, but looking at the conference standings, I, I think Texas still has a good shot at, at controlling their destiny and, and winning the regular season. And, you know, obviously it's more important to win the conference, but you can't think, you can't think too far in advance if you're a Texas fan. If you're a Texas player, you can't think too far in advance. You gotta say, we can only control what we can control. And that's our next game. That's TCU. And, I'm confident that if they win that game, they can they can muster out a win against Kansas. This is a team that they're very talented. They play a lot of teams close. This is a Texas team that can score the ball in bunches. And so I think if they if they can beat TCU, it's all down to that one game against Kansas. And they can win the regular season title or be the co-champs, whatever you want to call it. 
that they have that that shot. And so this is a game that to them means a lot. This is just as big as that Kansas game in a sense to where if they lose this one, they have no chance at that. If they win this one, there's still hope. So I think Texas is ready to play. Um, I, I do have my concerns about Texas. I said that earlier in this episode. I'm not too confident in them right now. They're in a tough situation. They haven't been playing their best basketball. And I think they turn that around in this game. I think they can win this game um, pretty comfortably, actually. Uh, Mike Miles Jr. probably will go off and have 25-plus. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Mike Miles now that, now that he's back. Um, it's, it's always great to see guys come back and, and be able to lead their team. And So I'm cheering for the Horn Frogs in this one. I'll say that. I hope I'm wrong. Um, but I'm going to pick Texas. I, I think Texas right now has more to play for. Um, we said that, that TCU has nothing to lose, and that's true. But Texas has a lot to lose. I think whenever you have a lot to lose, you also play motivated. Um, I think the Rocky quote's a good one. I, it's great for the underdogs, but I think the the guys that are that are supposed to be favored also have a chip on their shoulder sometimes, and they still have a chance to to make some history for their team this year. Texas can still win or be co-champs of the Big 12 in, in a season that's unprecedented, unprecedented in how good the Big 12 has been all year. So um, the Texas team has a lot to play for in this one, and I like Texas beating TCU in this one. That's a solid pick. And, and honestly, you know, probably the better pick, you know, if you look at the kind of the stats behind it, you know, Texas averages more points per game. They, they average about the same amount per allowed. You know, this is a Texas team that's probably going to be motivated after that embarrassing loss on the road to Baylor. I just I feel I feel something in my gut. I, I feel the underdog. Uh, is barking somewhere down in me, and I just think that TCU is going to be too much. Uh, I think that those fans out there in TCU are always just a pain. They're always just there for no reason. It seems like that they're showing up and supporting these boys regardless of of if, if they're winning or losing, whether Mike Miles is on the court or not. I think that they're just going to be they're going to be too much, and I think that you know this is a TCU team that's going to look to end the year on a three game win streak going into the conference tournament. Which you know you definitely can't look past that Oklahoma game, especially after how how well Oklahoma played against Iowa State past weekend. However, I, I think that Iowa State's just kind of sliding at the wrong time. Uh, I think that a lot of the things that we said about Virginia are probably true for Iowa State. When you're a team built on defense, it can be really really tough this time of year to not just score the basketball, but to also play the defense that you've been playing at at the level that that has just kind of made you who you are all year. So this is this is you know. Both teams have difficult next games. Both teams are, are going to be looking to win to get a little momentum going into that that final regular season game. However, like I mentioned, I just think that this is a TCU team that's got nothing to lose. That they're going to throw the kitchen sink, the the, the front door. They're going to throw everything they can throw at, at this Longhorns team. And I think ultimately it's going to be a scrappy game. I think TCU just pulls out with the win in the end. So, you know, I'm glad we're not getting them with a next gen curse though, because I would I would feel really bad for the TCU faithful if if we did uh we did them with a the next gen curse like that. For sure. And I really do. I hope that they win. I'm cheering for TCU in this one. Uh I, I've always kind of liked TCU for some weird reason. Um and, and so I am cheering for TCU in this one, but I think Texas has the upper hand, and so I'm going with them. Absolutely. And like I mentioned, this game is Wednesday night at 9 p.m. on ESPN2. I know that you guys are probably going to be uh, wanting to watch that. We're going to move away from uh, men's basketball. We, we, I know that that recently we've talked about it a lot over the last couple of weeks, and, and I apologize 
for that. However, it can just be, you know, the the basketball season can just be so demanding that that it can be really tough to cover other sports. So that's what we're going to do right now. Women's basketball has finished their regular season as of today. And so we've seen teams clinch regular season championships. I know that South Carolina got the SEC regular season championship. Uh, Notre Dame, another team that got the the regular season championship. And so we're going to kind of go conference by conference and break down just a little bit. We'll probably just do uh, power five or, or or teams that we think have some sort of relevance to the national tournament. So we'll start in the ACC. Um, like I just mentioned, Notre Dame is that one seed. Duke is the two seed. Virginia Tech is the three seed. And Louisville is the four seed. Uh, four teams that are ranked really high. Um, you know, you've got a Clemson team in there, Thomas, who's that number 10 seed. And, um, you know, maybe there's, there's something in it for the Tigers to get a couple wins out of this. It's actually really funny. The, the other day, um, on the next gen Tigers podcast, me and Mike were talking about this, this Clemson team and how, um, hasn't been a great year for them, but they still have some stuff to play for. They can play spoiler to a few teams and they did exactly that. Um, they beat Florida state. Uh, over the weekend and Florida state was holding that number four seed. And like we talked about with the guys, the number, the top four seeds are really important for conference tournament. And so um, Clemson beating Florida state the other day was, was big for, for Louisville who jumped into that number four seed. So, um, you know, Clemson's already played spoiler a little bit this season and hopefully they can keep doing it. I think one thing that kind of stands out to me in this is the fact that You've got a team like Virginia Tech at a three. For those of you who don't know, and we cover it pretty well on the on the Next Gen Gobblers podcast, this Virginia Tech women's basketball team might be the hottest basketball team in the country. They've beaten uh, four ranked opponents in the last month to, to end the regular season. You've got a player like Elizabeth Kitley who just hit a buzzer beater over North Carolina on, on Thursday night. Uh, she set the all-time school's field goal mark not too long ago. This is a really good Virginia Tech basketball team that is not satisfied with where they are at that three seed. They'll get the winner of Boston College, Georgia Tech, who will play Miami, and then the winner of that game will play Virginia Tech. So, you know, it can sometimes be difficult to be one of those first four teams because, you know, you've got to wait so long that, you know, I know that that rest is good and your legs probably need a break. However, I just think that at the same time, it's almost better to play early because you don't want to get stiff. You don't want to get sore. And, and so uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see how teams like Notre Dame, Louisville, Duke, and Virginia Tech respond to having that break. And if that kind of breaks up momentum for some teams like Virginia Tech, who has been so hot as of late. Yeah, we usually see in the ACC tournament, um, the day two teams can, can find a way to pull an upset off. Um, a lot of times the first round teams are the bottom um, six. They usually don't do much in the tournament, but the, the day two squad um, going from number five to, to number nine usually can make some noise. And so um, that's, that's something you can usually expect in the ACC tournament. And I think that's going to be something you can expect again this year. That Florida state team definitely to be motivated. Um, they should have had that two round by and they didn't have it. So, um, that Florida State team is one that I could definitely see causing some problems for some teams looking looking ahead. I got to agree. And I think another team that that is that kind of in that day two realm that could potentially be a problem is North Carolina as well. 
Uh, they just beat Duke today um, in, in a really low-scoring game. It was in the uh, low 50s, if I remember correctly. So I, that's another team that I think could potentially get hot at the right time and and beat a team like Duke, who's been pretty good all year. Either way, I think it's going to be really, really exciting. Uh, I know if I had to pick a winner right now, I'm obviously going to pick Virginia Tech. I just think they're a really, really hot team. Um, and I think that they're playing their best basketball at the right time. Yeah, that's probably a smart pick. And um, for the sake of not, you know, not repeating you or going with the next gen curse, I'm not going to pick Virginia Tech. That's definitely a smart pick. They're the hottest team, I think, in this in this tournament. But being the hottest team doesn't always guarantee you a win. It definitely helps, but doesn't guarantee you anything. And so I'm going to go with the, the two seed Duke in this one. Um, I, I just it's too easy to pick, to pick the one seed. I think whenever you're the one seed, you have a target on your back and the number two seed can kind of, um, can you know, have less of a target. And so I, I think Duke's going to be playing some motivated basketball. Like you said, UNC just beat them. So Duke's a, a team that um, definitely has some motivation to be playing. And I think really the, the deciding game in this one's going to be the Duke-Virginia Tech game. Whoever wins that, I definitely see winning this tournament. Got to agree. Either way, those games are going to be this upcoming week. It is champ week for the women's basketball. So you're definitely going to want to watch some of those games. Those are going to be really, really exciting games uh, to determine different conference champions. We're going to move into the SEC with obviously the best team in college basketball. The South Carolina women's team, like I mentioned, took home the SEC regular season championship today. They are followed by LSU at two, Tennessee at three, and Ole Miss at four. Thomas, I think there's one and only question in this one. Is South Carolina just going to win it all like we, we've kind of mentioned all year long in the SEC? Yeah, I think the, the obvious answer is yes. Um, they're dominant. They're the best team in college hoops for for the women. And um, I don't see really anybody in the SEC posing much of a threat for them. Um, it, it'd be more shocking for this for this team to struggle and have, have any games that are um, close than, than to see them uh, go all the way in dominant fashion. So I definitely see them being the, the premier team in this this conference, and I, I think they'll probably win it all. Yeah, obviously, as a South Carolina student, um, I know a lot of the girls who play on the team, they come in to, to where I work often, and, and I often chat with them about kind of how they're approaching the end of the year and whatnot, and they're always very cool, very confident, very collected about themselves. They don't seem stressed at all. I think this is a South Carolina team that knows they're the best team in the country. They're okay being the best team in the country. You know, they know there's a target on their back, and, and honestly, they're just making it a fashion statement at this point. I think the Gamecocks are probably going to roll uh, pretty heavily over these teams. Uh, a team that does kind of maybe not stress me out, but worry me just a teeny tiny bit is the fact that we might have to play Ole Miss, uh, a team that we had to beat in overtime not too long ago um, on the road. However, the the SEC tournament is in Greenville, for those of you who don't know. Uh, it's right in Clemson's backyard, so it's going to be nice to lift an SEC championship in Clemson's backyard. Um, <laughs> however, uh, I just don't think anybody's going to stop this Gamecocks team. I, I really honestly, I think if South Carolina does not go undefeated and, and win a national championship, it's a fluke. It's a one-off. You know, sometimes you get that in, in the tournament. You know, you get a big performance, a bad game from somebody. It can happen. However, I, I think that this is the best basketball team that we've seen in the women's tournament for a long time. Don Staley has an absolute monster out there at South Carolina. Um, and I think they waltz their way to an SEC championship. Yeah, I definitely agree. And um, so I'll, I'll give my my second place team to try to, you know, because the, the storyline's obvious here. Is South Carolina going to win it? Most likely, yes. So I'll give my second place team. I actually see Tennessee at the three seed making it um, and, and going up against South Carolina in the championship in this one. 
Um, and like I said, I think South Carolina probably wins it. I definitely uh, agree. This is a, a good uh, Tennessee team that not too long ago uh, kind of forced the Gamecocks to struggle a little bit, led in that game for a little while, but until the Gamecocks pulled away um, towards the end. But we're going to move out of the SEC and into the Big Ten. Indiana is at the one. Ohio State is four. Iowa is two. And Maryland is three. This is a an Indiana team who actually got one vote in the AP poll to be the number one overall team to, to take away from South Carolina's unanimous season not too long ago. The Big Ten has been kind of dominated by Indiana all year. However, earlier today, once again, we're recording this on Sunday, Indiana lost to Iowa on a buzzer beater. Uh, Iowa is that number two seed. So I, I think that it's going to be interesting to see how Indiana responds to such a heartbreaking loss on the road to Iowa. Yeah, that one definitely hurts them. But, you know, Iowa's a really good team. Um, and, and they're on the road. It's always hard to win on the road in college basketball. So I don't, I don't think this is going to stick with Indiana too long. Um, if I had to guess, they're, they're already kind of – um, refocused on, on getting that um, conference championship hoisted. I agree. And, and like we mentioned, you know, Indiana did, you know, have a really, really good year. They have only two losses on the year. So it's going to be, um, you know, the the one loss to a really, really good Iowa team that is ranked sixth in the country right now, it, it that doesn't hurt you too much. I think that if anything, it's honestly a wake-up call. It's probably one of those games that the coaching staff is almost glad you lost because it doesn't really hurt you too bad. It's it's a Ross on the road to another um, top 10 team. I, the buzzer beater as well kind of just boosts that loss almost to make it look better. So it, it's kind of a wake-up call for those girls. Uh, I think Indiana, once again, kind of like we said for the SEC, kind of just seems like the obvious pick in this one. With that being said, I'm going with Iowa. Um, I, I'm a big believer in success breeds success. I, I think that Iowa is going to use that as as a wake-up call on the flip side to kind of prove to themselves that they can win big games and big-time moments. And I think that they'll roll with that win to, to get another Big Ten championship for the women's basketball team. I, don't think, I can see that happening for sure. Um, I will say, you mentioned earlier that Indiana does have that one extra vote that South Carolina, South Carolina doesn't have. Whoever did that was just trying to be different. Um, that's just the wrong choice. But anyway, um, I think this game, I, I agree with everything you said. Um, this is a wake-up call. This is a game where they can look back and say, like, that shouldn't happen. We need to play better basketball. Um, where I differ is that I think that it is the chip on the shoulder that they need. I think Indiana um, doesn't run through this tournament by any means. It's not maybe the same domination that I expect from South Carolina. But I do think that they win this one. Um, I would love to see another Indiana-Iowa matchup. That'd be a great rematch to see. So um, I think it's Indiana that wins this one, though. I think it's funny that you mentioned the the guy who who didn't vote for South Carolina was probably just trying to be different because he actually did take to Twitter later that day and was kind of almost bragging about the fact that he didn't pick South Carolina and was trying to justify it. So um, I feel like it was probably clickbait to just say, like, oh, look at me, look at me. Because, I mean, it's – I mean, golly. I mean, we're sitting here talking about South Carolina going undefeated and we're saying it's going to be a fluke if they don't. Um, however, uh, we differ uh, on this one. Um, the next-gen curse will will not be alive and well um, in the Big Ten. 
We're going to move into the Pac-12. Um, this is a, a conference that's been dominated by Stanford, and I wonder, you know, is it going to be any different this year, or, or can we expect another team to potentially stand up and, and make their presence known? If you look at their top four seeds, you've got Stanford and then Utah and then Colorado and then followed up by Arizona at the four spot. So four really good teams at the top of the conference. Um, you know, I think that we we've keep saying it that I feel like we're we're picking number ones with the exception of the ACC tournament. So so what can we expect from teams maybe almost outside of Stanford in this one? You know, the way I see it, um, me and you aren't too different from most college basketball fans, most women's hoop fans, where um, the one seeds seem to get a lot of respect. Um, I know even whenever I'm making my women's basketball brackets that a lot of times I pick the higher seed. It seems like there's less upsets. And so I think for, you know, these mainly the, you know, the five through two seed, you say, hey, we had a good year. We played well throughout the season. Um, why are we getting disrespected? Why are we getting, you know, written off? Why are you saying that we can't make a run and beat beat Stanford? So um, I, I kind of look at it like, you know, maybe they have a chip on their shoulder. Um, there's a lot of really good teams in the in this conference. Um, the top five are all ranked. So um, I, I think really it's just about, you know, most people are going to pick Stanford to win this one. And so if you're one of these other four schools or even below that, um, you can look and say, hey, we are a good team too. Um, you need to res- put some respect on our name. Yeah, I think a team that a lot of people probably won't pick is Utah. However, if you look at this Utah team, they're eighth in the AP poll, seventh in the coaches poll at 23 and three overall. I mean, that's a really, really good year. I think that this is probably a Utah team that, you know, like I mentioned, a lot of teams are going to pick Stanford. However, a fun little nugget of wisdom for you guys. Utah actually beat Stanford today. Once again, this is Sunday we're recording. So they actually beat Stanford. So you've got that two seed who kind of like in in the Iowa, uh, Indiana situation proved they can beat that number one seed. And and they'll, they'll probably even jump up in the rankings just a little bit because, you know, it's an impressive win, even if it's at home. So I I think it's going to be Um, interesting to see kind of how Utah backs that up and how Stanford responds now that they've lost one of those games going into the tournament. Yeah, this Stanford team um, is getting a lot of respect for a lot of good reason. Um, Like we were talking about, their one loss right there to Utah, obviously earlier in the year that they've lost the game um, to South Carolina. And then their one other loss was on the road at USC in a game that to me seems like it was a fluke. A lot of teams lose these games like that. This is a really good Stanford team that I expect to make a deep run, um, not only in this tournament, but also in in the national tournament. And so um, I think the the obvious pick here seems to be Stanford as well. Well, not the obvious pick because Utah is a very good team as well. But the pick I'm going to go with is Stanford for the same reasons that I picked Indiana. Um, I, I do not like to pick the one seeds every time. I, I try to stray away from it. But sometimes um, the story is just matched too well. In this case, I think – both teams kind of have that chip on their shoulder where they say, hey, we're still a really good team. Um, that game is not one we should have lost. We're better than that. And then they're going to play really motivated basketball in the conference tournament. So I like Stanford winning this one. Um, and like I said, with the Indiana-Iowa one, I would love to see another rematch of that one because it was a good game that um, they played most recently too. So uh, I'm going with Stanford in this one. Yeah, I got to agree. I watched the Stanford-South Carolina game earlier this year. 
And honestly, the only reason South Carolina won that game is because Stanford called a timeout when they didn't have any timeouts. And so South Carolina got a technical free throw to tie it up pretty much as time was about to run out of the clock. Um, you know, this is a really good Stanford basketball team that are really, really well coached. Uh, this is a team that's been to national championships in years past. They haven't always won, but they have that experience on the roster. They have girls that have played in that big time moment. I think that this is a Stanford team that you, you look at some of their losses. It's just kind of one-offs. You know, you you go a little bit, you lose to South Carolina. You go a little bit, you lose to USC. You go a little bit, you lose to Stanford. I, I think that they use those losses as motivation. I, I think that, you know, the losses on, later in the year are, are probably due to fatigue. It's late in the year. You know, you're on the road. They're, they're tough places to play. And so I think that they would make that case. And I think they make a pretty, pretty strong case to be the number one seed and be maybe a team that you could see challenge the South Carolina in the national tournament. We're going to finish up our women's basketball tenure by finishing in the Big 12. I know you've got schools like UConn in the Big East who we could cover However, we don't have time to cover everybody. This is only uh, a limited podcast. So the Big 12 is a little different. The only teams that really kind of have a bye without knowing who they're going to be is the number one and number two seeds. That is Texas and Oklahoma. The bottom four seeds, which is Kansas, Texas Tech, Kansas State, and TCU, will play each other to see who plays Texas and Oklahoma. These are two uh, teams in Texas and Oklahoma who are really, really rank, ranked well. You've got Oklahoma at 13 in the AP poll, 11 in the coaches poll, and Texas at 19 and 20 in the AP and coaches poll. Uh, it's a good program they've got down there in OU and Texas. Um, and they're going to be looking to make a statement because I think that something could that could potentially go unsaid is this is one of their last years in the Big 12. And so those those ladies will probably be looking to make a a personal statement going forward um in the big 12 yeah that's definitely a good point that you make i've kind of forgotten that's going to be happening soon and so i would kind of write that off as you know just something i don't really think about and not that big of a deal but you know to these teams it really does mean a lot you know you want to leave a mark on your on the conference and i think um, both teams would like to do that in, in this tournament um and unfortunately for for the girls side of things um they're not quite as good as the as the guys um in this conference, the Big 12 is the best by far in the men's, and then the women's isn't as uh, talked about. And so um, it's just unfortunate for for the conference, but it'd be really cool to dominate in both sides of it. But in this one, um, I like Iowa State. Um, I think they're sitting at the four seed right now, and I like them because they've beaten both these top teams already. I think that you, you mentioned earlier that sometimes – um, having that that buy can hurt you because you don't play that extra game. You're, maybe your legs get a little bit cold. You get stale a little bit. I like Iowa State to come out hot in their first game and then to to run the table in this conference tournament. I like Iowa State in this one. It's a strong take, and that, that's a that's a safe pick. You know, that, like you mentioned, they do have the wins over Oklahoma and Texas. However, I'm going to go with Oklahoma, and here's why. I'm looking at some of those top teams, and I'm going, okay, give me a reason to not pick you. Well, if you look at the away record, Oklahoma has the best away record. And like we mentioned, you're in a neutral site, I would assume, for for this tournament. So I think that that being able to say that you can perform on the road, um, I think gives them the edge. 
you you look at Texas being five and three, Oklahoma six and two, Oklahoma State three and five, and Iowa State three and five. That that's your top four seeds. So I, I'm gonna pick Oklahoma for that reason. I, I can't say I've seen much of the Big Twelve women's teams play. Um, I mainly just watch South Carolina and Virginia Tech, and and who they play is kind of who I know about. And, and then you've got games kind of randomly that I might turn on if if I feel inclined to do so. I honestly watched a little bit of the Iowa. Uh, Indiana game earlier today but just because I, I knew it was a good game I knew it was top ranked opponents that were going to play each other so uh, I think it's important to note that that Oklahoma has that good away record and, and so for that reason I'm going to roll with them just because I think that proving that you can win away from your home venue is important in college basketball definitely a great take it's actually interesting you mentioned that because Oklahoma um the, one of their losses on, on the road was Iowa State so um they I'm just I just want to put that out there man I'm cheering for Iowa State in this one. I like this pick. Um, it's it's not the most popular pick, but I like it. So that's why I'm going with them. Absolutely. We love a little rivalry action here at Next Gen Athletics. Uh, those tournaments are going to be starting Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, it kind of depends on the conference and, and what their schedules look like. Um, I, I know most of them start on the first, which is Thursday. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, it's going to be exciting to watch these teams finish their seasons uh, going into the the national tournament here in just a couple of weeks. Like we mentioned, you got a team like South Carolina who's got the biggest target on the back in, in the history of South Carolina basketball, and, and everybody's chasing to get them. So it's going to be exciting to watch and see how teams prepare to play teams like South Carolina, teams like Stanford, Indiana, Iowa, Oklahoma, Texas, teams that are really, really good, really, really strong basketball teams. Um, and, and so it's going to be a good end of the year. I, I definitely um, advise you tune in and watch, especially, you know, on Sunday when when men's basketball is not playing and they're playing in those conference tournaments and then conference championship games at that point. I definitely highly encourage that you tune in and watch. We're going to wrap up today's uh, episode by talking a little bit of baseball and softball. We're just going to kind of mention some things. Uh, Thomas, it's been a pretty all over the place baseball season so far. I can't say I've kept super close tabs on it, but I do know that there have been some upsets across the country. And, and then you've got teams that are pretty hot. So Thomas, give us two teams that you're impressed with so far this year. Two teams that I'm impressed with so far this year. I got to start off, unfortunately, um, with the South Carolina Gamecocks, man. They they hit the ball very well. They, they got the ball going really quickly for themselves and they started off really hot. And so I, I've definitely been impressed with them so far and then the other team that i've really liked so far this year is ecu um they're they're kind of a team that dominates the non um power five and, and I, I like ecu a lot this year they're, they're playing really well they had a big series against unc and so i like ecu and, and south carolina right now i definitely agree you know this is a south carolina team that has just playing so well as of late I, i've been uh, keeping pretty close tabs on it, and and it seems like every time I'm tuning in to to Twitter or Instagram or something, they're winning another game. So th- it's a really really hot South Carolina team. Um, I- I'm excited to see how they continue this success. They've started out seven and zero, oh, so I-, I really am excited to see how they continue to win uh, and-, and progress throughout the rankings and throughout the year. My next team that kind of stands out to me, and unfortunately, I'm going to stay in the SEC uh, is Florida. Um, I I watched uh, a little couple highlights from their game earlier this year, or excuse me, earlier today. 
And they just seem like a very impressive baseball team to me. They're sitting there ranked seventh in the country. Um, I knew they just took a series this past weekend. So it's going to be exciting to see exactly how uh, they back up winning uh, the series and, and how that propels them to continue to play more games uh, going throughout the rest of the year. Yeah, I like that pick a lot. Florida's definitely been a good team so far this year. We're going to finish up, Thomas, by talking a little softball. Same thing, two teams that have impressed you so far this year. So I'm actually going to give you three just because there's one that's just kind of an obvious one it feels like is uh, Oklahoma. Um, They're always going to be good. Uh, Even if they drop the game here or there, uh, I'm still impressed with Oklahoma, and I'm going to be impressed with Oklahoma throughout the season. But I like um, UCLA so far has been a really good team. Um, I, I like UCLA. At this point, if I had to choose, um, I'm not saying I'd pick them to win the whole thing, but UCLA is a team that if they get hot at the right time, can definitely do it. Um, And then I think as unbiased as I can be, Clemson's up there for me. Um, Clemson did lose their – had their first loss of the year earlier this weekend to Tennessee, which is another good team. But um, Clemson has been dominant against ranked teams throughout this entire year, uh, taking care of business when they need to. Um, and so Clemson has been a team that I've been very impressed with, and they're a really fun team to watch. They play great defense. They uh, hit the ball very well. So Clemson and UCLA are the two teams, and then obviously Oklahoma is just so good. Yeah, I got to agree. Oklahoma, actually, fun fact, beat UCLA today 14 to nothing in five innings. So uh, it's a it's an absolute powerhouse they have out there in Norman. Uh, I think it's going to be exciting to see them in Texas play in the SEC and play against better competition day in and day out. Another team that's really stood out to me is Oklahoma State. I, I got to watch Oklahoma State play Virginia Tech a little bit a couple weekends ago down in the the Clearwater Tax Act Invitational, um, and that just seems like a very, very well-put-together softball team. They, they hit very well. They defend very well. Um, I, I definitely think that Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, as funny as it is, I'm staying in the, the state of Oklahoma, would be my two teams to to watch going forward as, as this season progresses. I know we're in the early stages of baseball and softball, just wanted to give a quick update on those. And, and um, like we said, it, it's been kind of crazy covering men's basketball. So wanted to give some love to some other sports from around the country uh, as we finish on today's episode. Thomas, that is going to do it for us. Um, Next Gen Tigers, is that going to come out tomorrow for everybody to listen to? Um, Actually, I'm glad you asked me that. It will not be coming out tomorrow. Um, Mike's really busy right now with school. We're looking to get that out Tuesday. Um, Wednesday at the latest. So be on the lookout for that coming out soon. Unfortunately, we can't tell you that's going to be out tomorrow, but um, should be out soon. If you want to stay posted on that, follow us on Twitter at Next Gen Tigers. You can keep up with everything there. Absolutely got to agree. Um, and for all my Virginia Tech and South Carolina fans out there, Next Gen Gobblers and Gamecocks will be coming out with episodes this upcoming week. Um, I, I know Gobblers came out with one last week, but Gamecocks did not. I apologize. It's been a crazy couple weeks here in Columbia. Uh, this week should be a little easier as we're going into spring break um, here in a couple weeks here in Columbia. So I, I definitely think I'll have more time to be able to get those podcasts out for you guys. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, Gobblers normally comes out on Tuesday. Uh, Gamecocks normally comes out on Wednesday, so be on the lookout for that. We'll be promoting those on social media at NXT Gen Gamecocks. That is NXT Gen Gamecocks on Twitter. And for the Gobblers, it's Next Gen Gobblers. Way easier to remember. It's just Next Gen Gobblers.
And while you're on Twitter following Next Gen Tigers, Gobblers, and Gamecocks, you should probably go follow us as well. We are on Twitter at Next underscore Gen underscore A-T-H. Again, that is on Twitter at Next underscore Gen underscore A-T-H. We are also on Instagram at Next underscore Gen underscore Athletics. Uh, Way easier than Twitter because Instagram doesn't necessarily have name characters that you can't go past. And Thomas it has done some great work in getting us on Facebook. That is at Next Gen Athletics. That is just a page, not a group yet. We're still working on that. Next Gen Athletics. We'll be getting groups and everything out shortly. Thomas, have a wonderful week. Get back to Clemson safely. You as well. Have a wonderful week, my lovely listeners. And we will talk to you guys on Thursday. <laughs>